All right. Hi, everybody. This is just Natsu Myers here from Razors.com, where it's our mission to democratize investment banking. So welcome to this episode of the podcast, where I'm with, with uh, Saad Hassan, who is with Investive. And Saad Hassan brings a big wealth of you know, experience, of expertise in leading the market when it comes to raising capital for a variety of companies. And he's been an invaluable resource to startups, companies, and all types of entities that are seeking to raise capital all across the world. And it's with my great pleasure that I introduce Saad Hassan from Investive. Thanks, Saad. So, no worries, no worries. Um, and offline, we're just we're just talking about, you know, just some of the experiences that you, you know that that Saad had with you know running and growing his company and assisting a lot of people in just organizing their companies and raising capital. So the first question that we usually like to ask is everybody has a story. So when it comes to you and Investive, what is your story, Saad? Thanks for having me, Nasu. Um, Investive uh, is, it's, it's a marketplace, but it started with my work with investment banking in the past, right? So I, I worked as an investment banker. Then I worked for a large conference company where, you know, I was heading up their investor relations team. And I spent most of my time working with family offices. Uh, that was my first time in the experience of private capital. Before that, it was all institutional. And something that jumped out at me was this private world of alternative investments is very siloed. It doesn't have a lot of technology and it doesn't have a lot of connectivity between all those people that are that are stakeholders in it, right? Investors, sponsors of deals and funds and all the brokers in between who are trying to get all this information done. So it's a very white glove turnkey solution type of industry. Families like to stay private. Um, information is not readily available. And I spent most of my days sitting in front of an Excel sheet. Um, that was my day to day. Uh, I say this all the time, but I probably spent 16 hours a day working. And of those 16 hours, I would say 12 would be spent in front of an Excel sheet and the rest would be picking up the phone and, and getting on the phone and calling people. So I thought to myself, why isn't there technology in our industry that, that accelerates that, automates a lot of that upfront legwork so that we can spend more of our time doing the things that make us money, which is being on the phone. So uh, I built Investive uh, with the hope that we can leverage technology in automating a lot of the work that we do. We can create direct relationships between investors and, and those who are seeking investment. And, um, you know, it's been an interesting journey so far. Yeah, definitely interesting. As we were talking a bit offline, because, um, you know, a lot of times when, when a lot of the high performing founders, especially in the, you know, you know in the financial services and, and capital markets niche, you know, as they start, you know, there are a lot of things that they see emerge, um, you know, after that inception of their company and when the company, you know, matures like Investive has at this point. So what is one thing you would say that you're, you, you know, that Investive um, did uh, that you didn't expect? Or what is one occurrence that happened that you didn't expect, you know, as, you know, you've matured and grown the platform? It's funny that you say that because that actually is the case for all startups, and not just startups, but with every business, you set out to think that you're going to do something. 
and then you end up doing something entirely different. And that's because you don't decide what your company is. The market tells you what you are. And it's something that most founders find out the hard way later on. So we started out because we wanted to be a marketplace for investors to source deals and for deals to find investors. Very quickly, we turned into something completely different. Um, still kept that, but we had to pivot to cover other aspects. The most you know, interesting one of those that, that I didn't expect was the, the inclusion of brokers and intermediaries into our system. Um, I told you the story in the past where I, I really thought that I was going to cut out placement agents and brokers and essentially get rid of the middleman in the capital raising process. That was the entire purpose of what we were going to do. And, you know, by accident, I pitched a placement agent one time. I didn't know who he was. And he ended up very quietly listening to what I was saying. And he said to me, hey, listen, um, I'm a placement agent. Sorry, I, you know, didn't mean to deceive you, but I wanted to hear what you had to say because I wanted to understand what you have. But if you don't mind me telling you this, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's, that's exactly what he said to me. And I, and I said, well, hold on. So what do you mean? And he said, the people who would pay the most for what you've built are not the sponsors and not the investors. It's the brokers who are doing this on a daily basis, right? We're the, the brokers who get hired on behalf of sponsors to do this work. The sponsors go about their business because they've hired us to raise capital for them. We are the ones who do all the legwork in this industry to get these deals done. We're the ones who spend hours pouring over, you know, Excel sheets. So why don't you let us use it? Not only will we benefit from it and help us grow our businesses, but we will end up being the, the army that gets deals done on your platform. And I, and I agreed with him. So we, we pivoted and, and now our system is totally different. Now when clients come to work with us, we actually dedicate um, and, and assign a broker to them. Um, from part of our overall group. And um, they're the ones who end up going and closing deals for us. So on top of that, the brokers actually bring us a lot of deal flow and a lot of relationships. Yeah, that, that's, that's hilarious how that turned out. And it became your great, one of the greatest assets. And it almost ties into the next point. But so imagine, so imagine you have a, you know, a new you know, potential, you know, potential person that wants to work with Investive. Um, or even one of the other, you know, whether it be a broker dealer or what have you, what is really a really common myth or misconception, you know, in, in this area of expertise that you know, a lot of people you know, wrongly believe? Investment banking is not the wolf of Wall Street. That's, that's the most common thing you can, you can say to them. People come in with investment banking, what they, what they think that, you know, this is the life, um, Maybe it is in some places, but the reality is you spend a lot of time staring at your computer. Um, as I said, it's a lot of research. It's a lot of marrying, you know, buyers and sellers in your head. It's a lot of preparing deal documentation and all of those things. The, the work of being a being an investment banker is more closely related to the work of being a corporate lawyer than it is, um, you know, anything else. Um, there is the aspect of sales and and deal closing, but that probably is only 20% of the first uh, amount of workflow. I, I couldn't agree more. Like that's exactly what, a, what a, one of the things I was thinking of, thinking of a few different things, but that's one of them. Um, so like looking, so it, it's interesting because Investive is really, it seems to be a software 
um, innovation uh, at its at the heart of it. Uh, so based on some of the innovations that you know you've built and what you're seeing, where do you think capital raising will be in the next 15 years? And what is the vision for where your company will be uh, at that time? That's an interesting question. Um, we have our thesis. Um, so here, I'll tell you what I believe. Capital raising as it is now is a consultative industry. It's a matter of who you know and who you don't know. So if you know somebody that will connect you to capital, then you'll find the capital that you need. If you don't know anybody, then you're at a severe disadvantage. Um, there have been many platforms in the past who have tried to, you know, put this matchmaking system online in the past, and they've all failed. Um, and there's a very specific reason why is because those who are tech savvy build platforms without understanding the mindset and the temperature of, of the people involved. Um, you have to have really worked in this industry to understand that family offices, they're, they're private. Individual investors are private. Institutions, they have a, a due diligence requirement and governance with their boards and shareholders, and therefore they need to keep their information private. They don't like it when their information is on, on blast on the internet. So companies like PitchBook and Prequin and databases out there they're detested by all investors because it's simply a way for you know their information to be blasted out to everybody just for anybody who's willing to pay for it take a family office for example this is this is a direct word from what they've said a family office hates pitchbook and prequent because it makes them targets um it makes them targets to unsolicited you know requests of capital that's one but that's not even the worst part if you're somebody who is, you know, looking to scam and fraud, guess what? You're going to go on PitchBook and Prequent and find out who the wealthiest people in the world are. If you have criminal intent, you're going to find out who the wealthiest people in the world are, right? So those who have money, they, they want to keep their wealth private and they want to be able to interact and transact privately. And so they hate those types of systems. But we're also headed towards a world of, of digitization. So I think where to go back to your original question, where I think the, the world will change is we're seeing now a youthification of, of, of investors all over the world. The baby boomers are now retiring. There is a large generational transfer of wealth happening all over the world, largest in the history of our world. And the gatekeepers and, the, and the, those that are steering the ships of, of these investment organizations are now getting younger. Those people are not content with this white glove, you know, under the table type of dealing. They're interested in proficiency, they're interested in efficiency, and they want digital means of finding investments. So how do you solve the first problem, which is privacy issues with the problem of trying to efficiently find capital and, and source capital? So that's really been our focus. And I think that's where we're trying to really build our inroads. Um, the way we've built our system is completely dedicated to privacy. We we almost do it much like a social network where there has to be a mutual due diligence and a connection before any information is shared. And I think that we'll start to see a lot of platforms like this pop up here and there, but I think we have first mover's advantage uh, in, a, in, a, in a wild sort of uh, magnitude. And I think that in the next three to four years, ecosystems of investment will be the, the way of capital raising in the future. 
JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley investment banks are already doing this. They have systems. Even BlackRock has a system called Aladdin, where um, they use Aladdin to essentially qualify deal flow that fits into their criteria. So this will be the way of the world, I think, going forward, as long as those that are doing this are completely committed to the privacy of their individuals. Yeah, and fascinating because it almost seemed as if they would contradict one another, but it looks like, I mean, Investive is, is solving the problem for both in this time. So, I mean, um, challenges, but yes, we're, we're trying. Yeah. Um, there's only, you know, there's, there are conflicting issues, as you said, you know, privacy requires slowing down transactions and, and making sure that the right people are interacting with each other. But the whole idea of digitization is to scale, right? So then you now face opposing ideas and, and to be able to navigate and traverse that as a founder is really the, the main challenge. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And, um, and because even, even you just walking through this and talking to the family office directly and listening to what they actually told you from their mouth, as opposed to assuming what people want, uh, you know, you actually focus on giving people what they want. So I guess if you were to combine a lot of the experiences that you had in actually assisting a lot of, you know, these companies to get to where they want to be. Um, what is one thing that you'd say that you learned through the experience, um, or I guess like an important lesson uh, that you've learned as an owner operator and as somebody who is actually in the thick of it, seeing these deals get closed and just seeing everything that happens behind the scenes? Well, you're a broker, you would know this, right? Relationships is key. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Relationships above all things is key. Um, you're building out your business and you'll, I'm sure you've learned this already that sometimes you have to sacrifice a tr the, the transaction for the sake of a relationship. And sometimes you have to be able to let go of instantaneous gain for, for the idea of, of long-term, you know, uh, prosperity. And that's something that's hard to do in the beginning, because in the beginning you're, you're, you're focused on earning revenue, you're focused on getting what you can and, and building what you need to build. But I think founders make this mistake from the very beginning. And, and it's something that I've made the mistake early on. And I've learned to correct that, which is there's nothing that comes above the value of a relationship, especially a relationship that brings strategic value. Um, sometimes it's okay to give in order to get in the future. And the more you give, the more you'll get back. Hmm. That's the most eloquent explanation too. It almost reminds me of the prisoner's dilemma. Uh, something from game theory, you know, is always thinking about the what is best for everybody and what are the, the biggest long term gains rather than just being greedy and following that greedy algorithm, so to speak. Well, it's hard uh, to do. Your responsibility is to your staff, your responsibility is to your organization, you have shareholders. Yeah. So you have to present short term uh, short term values. Take the CEO or the managing partner of any any fund, they need to show immediate returns to their LP investors or their shareholders or whatever the case is. Um, so they need to, to act now and to be able to show track record. But then sometimes a decision that they make now will destroy the prospects of their future raises going forward. So you need to have that long-term vision as opposed to just uh, whatever is going on at that moment in time. Yeah, good points. So it's not it's really both and just keeping the short-term and the long-term in play, not kind of removing one for the other all the time, I guess. So, like, I'm hearing, obviously, there's been a lot of introspection because, I mean, as somebody to successfully uh, build a platform in this, in this industry, um, I think it takes a lot of, um, it, it takes a lot. 
And, you know, you've probably seen different characters and everything. So, I mean, based on some of the people in, like, let's look at the people, some of the people you potentially work with, the people that actually succeed and the people that, you know, are even, are even ready for this type of work of raising capital of, or the people who are even allocating capital. What would you say is like a, a personality traits or a set of traits that uh, are more prevalent in this industry when it comes to people that actually successfully you know, work through the finish when it comes to closing a transaction? What are the personality traits that you see uh, are the most common? For those that are in our position, which is to, to facilitate the transactions, or are you referring to the investors or the sponsors? I'd say the sponsors for, for one, because number one, the sponsors are probably the people watching this video and the ones who are most eager. Um, and then just as a general owner operator, uh, because many of the people who are sponsors are also owner operators. So I, I think if you can hit it from both angles, it will probably help out a lot of the viewers. Sure. In my experience, the sponsors are terrible salespeople. Um, and I say this with all the respect because I understand where the sponsors are coming from, right? The sponsors, let's just say they're a deal that is looking to raise money for their company. The reality is they're probably, you know, good at something else that made them successful in how they built their own business. Maybe they're an engineer, maybe they're, you know, a, a technical expert on something else. That is what gave them success in their company. And now they're looking to raise capital but that doesn't necessarily mean that they, they're good in sales. Sales is a very different set of personality skills. Or take a, take a fund, for example, a real estate fund who's raising $100 million is doing so because they have access to a wonderful pipeline and pipe uh, of deals and assets. That financial literacy does not always come with sales acumen, but raising capital is sales above all things it's sales you have to be able to sell yourself sell your idea and sell your future so what i would say is the most important thing that i noticed about sponsors is they need to learn to sell better um, and there are different ways of going about it um, personality is is important you need to be able to to compose yourself as somebody who is in control of your situation one thing i always see is that sponsors and even brokers like myself included i've done this in the past where when we're speaking with investors we treat them with the type of reverence that actually kills deals do you agree yeah some mute exactly um we were just talking about this offline like and for reasons that you want to get into i mean you know, it repels, it repels people like crazy because it shows that you need them, right? And, and investors know that you need them, but you also have to remember that investors need you because investors, the worst thing they want and, and the biggest challenge that they're battling is inflation. They don't want their money sitting around in a bank account. They need it, you know, put to work. So they have challenges just like you, just like you need the capital to, to further your strategy. Investors need you to further their capital. So there is a mutual need for each other. And instead of revering investors as if they're somebody who's above you, it's very important to make that change in mindset and remember that investors need you as well. You're there to qualify fit uh, as to who is the right investor for you at the same time that the investor is trying to qualify fit as to who is the good sponsor for them. And if you can treat investors like an equal, like a human being, not just a checkbook or, or a wallet, um, you will find that you have a lot more traction with investors and investors will openly do business with you because 
they respect people who deserve and demand respect for themselves. Hmm. Oh, interesting perspective. And um, so, I mean, it links, it links into some of the most important things anyone could ever need as advice because um, I was also going to even bring up the fact that, like, hey, somebody who is getting into this type of work, who are, who's looking to start out in raising capital and who may even be a potential good fit for investive.com. Um, I was going to ask what was the biggest piece of advice? So, I mean, would it be just focus on sales? And if so, are there any tactics uh, that you would recommend? Or is it something else that you would recommend as the number one piece of advice uh, for people starting out in raising capital? I feel that I got to where I am today because of my ability to, to sell. It has nothing to do with anything else. Uh, um, I have a bit of a technical background in terms of, uh, of you know, how I approach problems. I, I like to apply you know, what I know. I would just say that in order to be successful in our industry, you know, sales is one thing, but sales can be taught. But sales, I think, gets a bad rep. Um, there, there's this saying that everybody says, which is when you're describing a good salesperson, they say this man can sell you know, ice to an Eskimo, right? It's meant as a compliment, but I think it's the worst thing that you can possibly say about a person, right? Being able to sell ice to an Eskimo just infers that you are looking to sell somebody something that they don't need. Sales has turned into a bad sort of definition because of the fact that people don't like salespeople. Um, whenever you're around a salesperson, you you get you know agitated or, or or you get nervous because people, it's human behavior. They want to be able to control their own choices, and and they feel that salespeople are ingenuine and trying to give them things that they don't need. In reality, sales is about understanding fit. I use that word all the time. It's about understanding fit and being able to explain value um, where that isn't so obvious. And that's what I refer to when I say sales. But outside of that, what I would also say is it's very important for somebody who wants to be successful in this industry to be curious and to be able to love soaking in new information. Um, my friends actually say this one thing about me, which I think is, is really the key to my my prowess in anything is that I'm a walking encyclopedia of useless information. <laughs> it's always been like that. I mean, there are things in my head that are related to so many different subjects, you know, from science to math, to, to, to languages, to history, to, to world, world issues. And, you know, I'm not a master of anything, but I feel like I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. And, and the reason why that's important is because investments is all about that. Today, we're going to be speaking with somebody who is in real estate. The next day, we're going to be speaking with somebody who has an interesting engineering concept, um, somebody who has a pharma or a biomedical advance, to be able to understand at the very base level what they're talking about um, and to be able to apply that to how it you know, fits in with other things in your ecosystem or the world ecosystem or to the ecosystem of your investors that you're bringing into that level of knowledge doesn't come by learning. It comes, or, or anything that I can teach you, it comes from your own curiosity of the world and then the world around you. So those that I've seen are the most successful people are those that are just eager and, and open to new information, even if they don't you know, feel that it doesn't, it doesn't benefit them right away. Um, I've learned things and applied things this week that I've learned probably 10, 20 years ago. 
Hmm. And like, I mean, I, I agree when, when, especially when you talk about things that are off like finance, because I mean, look at, I mean, the, the, the classics, right? Like uh, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's uh, business partner there. I mean, he, like, he knows, he knows every, almost everything. Like, I mean, you're talking about engineering principles, you know, biology, physics, and especially some of the principles that go on longer than some of a lot of the human made ideas, because those principles seem to be true uh, over the longest period of time. And so a lot of them, they seem to just like apply those principles to, um, to things that we like business, for example, throughputs, marketing, you're just getting people through a funnel, you know, things like that. So couldn't agree more. I mean, you should see my YouTube suggestions, right? That's, I yeah. feel like YouTube suggestion is a good indication of a person's real, real personality. Because if you were to see the categories that show up on my YouTube suggestions, it's a little bit of everything. Um, starting from sports all the way towards, you know, weird conspiracy theories and, and science and, and world issues and geopolitics. And I mean, you would think that there, there's, you know, multiple people um, using my YouTube account. The reality is it's just me because anything that's interesting or anything that I don't know, I'm interested to see and, and soak it up. And I think that when I hire people, um, I don't test them on their knowledge of this industry because that can be taught. Hmm. I'm more interested in how curious they are um, of the world around them, of human behavior, of, of how people interact with each other and how entities interact with each other. If they, if they show that burning desire for knowledge, that to me is the most attractive quality for anybody who I would hire. And I think who would be successful in this industry. Yeah, here, here. I mean, there came a point, even me personally, I mean, uh, without me knowing about being curious about crypto and, and getting into that, I once have been into investment banking. So um, maybe, maybe, maybe if you're curious about capital raising, maybe you should take action and maybe, who knows, maybe you'll be one of Investive's best, uh, one of their best clients if you're watching this. So, uh, I mean, looking at, just looking at all the people watching this, uh, anyone who's curious to hear more, like, uh, where would somebody who is interested in how Investive works, how would they actually get in touch with you or your company to actually you know, benefit from some of these um, services? Let's say if somebody wants to raise some capital, what would they do to get in touch with Investive? So if you're looking to raise capital, um, you can go to Investive.com. Um, our system is free to create an account. Uh, there is a login portal at investive.com. What you can do is create an account, create a profile. If you're looking to raise capital, specify a project that where we ask you a structured questionnaire. You don't have to pay or anything like that. What that does is it puts your information in our system and it automatically cross-references with all of the investors' demands and mandates that we have in our system. It tells us before you even get on a call with us whether there is a fit um, with the level of demand that we have in our system, or if we can't help you because we just don't seem to have people that are interested in your strategy. If there is a fit, then a member of our team will reach out. I'm not so involved and invested these days anymore. I'm more, more involved with our family office, but there are others in our team who are responsible for manager selection process and they will get in touch with you. They'll let you know what type of demand we have. Sometimes they'll tell you we don't have enough and, and, and apologize and point you to the right direction of somebody else that might be able to help you. But the idea is that we're very demand focused, not supply focused. We would rather start from the pockets of demand that we have from our investors and um, 
only bring on those clients that we believe would be a very, very strong um, fit for the appetites of our investors. Perfect. And, and that is nvestiv.com for those who are just listening on audio. That's right. So exactly. So then how about the, so the broker dealers and so, I mean, the, the broker dealers and the asset allocators as well, uh, would it be through a similar process? Yep. Exact same process. Uh, allocators are, are the easiest. Um, we do go through some checks to make sure that you are who you would say you are as is our, our responsibility and due diligence. So sometimes we require you to upload information, um, to make sure that you're an accredited investor or a sophisticated investor. Um, and for broker dealers, we speak with you directly just to understand what your priorities are. Uh, now, if you're looking to be somebody who gets deal flow from us, um, we will have that conversation. If you are looking to bring deal flow to us, um, that's a different conversation. And we work with you in, in, in unique ways to make sure that the alignment is there to make sure that broker dealers make money as well as um, investors. Perfect. And so with all that, I mean, you know, Sad, I really enjoyed the conversation. And hey, it's not that often that you actually speak to founders who actually understand the, you know, they're not, they don't think in black and white. They actually understand that, hey, there are levels to this. And then there are like, there are different gradients to capital raising. There's tech, there's systems, there are processes, there are misconceptions. And it's not really just, hey, you know, begging an investor for, you know, for, for like a miracle to happen. So I guess as we close, like, is there anything else that you want to, you know, share to the audience? Any, I guess, maybe tips, insights, or things that they should do? Any, anything at all, especially in this uh, time that we're in? No, I mean, look, I think, I think the important thing to realize is that we make mistakes as we build things. And those mistakes teach us lessons, right? Um, I've made my share of mistakes. I've had blunders. I've pissed off clients. But the important thing is I've done everything I can to go forward and make up for those and see how we can add value. And those clients of ours who, you know, we've made mistakes with are now our biggest supporters because we've we've admitted to our mistakes and we've said, listen, I need your help in fixing the issue. And I think that's the important thing as as, you know, people of this industry we're managing so many clients and sometimes they have expectations and we're never going to meet them. So it's not that we're always going to have a hundred percent, you know, um, score with them, but it's a matter of being able to say, let's work together in figuring out what you need as opposed to us always having to know what you need. I think that's the biggest and most important thing. And I love the fact that, you know, you along with other companies in our industry are finding ways to innovate in, in the space that is so archaic Right. Very. I, I love what you guys are doing. I, I, I'm trying to do the same thing. I, there are a few other guys who are trying to do good work. Um, and I think that eventually with a collective effort, we're going to change the mindsets of the people in this industry who are resistant to technology and, and help them understand that this is far better way of doing business. Every other industry has embraced it, just not this one. Absolutely. And, and in fairness, based on some of the things I've seen, I mean, Hey, uh, in the land of the dinosaurs, it just takes two wheels to look like you're NASA or something, you know, but, but uh, that being said, Hey, it's always, it's always a pleasure talking to you and uh, learn a lot from you as well. So here, here, this is uh, Sada Sun Investor, everybody. Thank you for, for tuning in today. 
Thanks for having me. No worries. Cheers.